0: Hello and good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It's Monday, July eleventh, 2022, and we are here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. I'm the associate pastor here, Jonathan Hendrickson, and uh, this is our podcast. I'm here with the pastoral staff. Um, uh, All of us are here today, so we have Jeremiah Custer, who is our youth pastor, our children's pastor, Blake Flincham, and of course our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy. Um, we're all here and we're, we use Monday Main Point to, to uh, talk about the Sunday message or the Sunday service. Um, often we, we take a little bit of time to talk about, uh, go a little bit deeper into the message that one of us has, uh, has preached. Um, uh, it, it, this is a little bit different of a podcast because today we're going to be talking about our service yesterday, which was our youth uh, camp report service. Um, our students um, have j- came back from camp uh, three weeks ago, I think. Um, they went to camp three weeks ago. Um, and uh, yesterday kind of gave a report, shared testimonies from that, and shared some spiritual insights and things that they uh, had learned um, while, while at camp. And then, of course, Jeremiah had a chance to kind of share um, a little bit as well, um, uh, just sort of a, a short message devotional kind of thing um on uh something from camp as well so we'll kind of talk about that today um so it'll be a little bit of a different podcast a little bit different feel to the podcast but no oh, this would be a good discussion guys um so uh, the theme of the camp jeremiah um oh, actually Jer- so you, so you know myself and Jeremiah and Blake all were at this camp so we we were all there together and heard all the messages and things the theme of the camp was unlikely, um, unlikely, and it came, I think the theme verse, in Blake, I think you read this yesterday, it was First Samuel 16, 7, um, where the Lord says to Samuel uh, when he goes to select, he's selecting a king from, for Israel, and uh, the Lord says to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so, of course, he's talking about um, David, right? David's not the most likely candidate out of all of his brothers uh, to be selected to be king. And God says, you know, don't just because he's the short guy, just because he's the runt of the litter, don't don't judge him by his appearance or height. Because um, I'm, I'm not about that. I'm, I'm not what looks on the outside, but I'm looking more for the heart and honestly that's very applicable i think to students um i think students uh in particular but i think our culture in general just has this idea that um minister like preachers are supposed to uh are are are, are certain types of people right um that uh that uh, deacons are certain types of people um and so, so many people sort of disqualify themselves from service. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm saying that they say, well, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to go and serve here or I'm not going to go and do this because I could never do that because I'm not that person. <clears throat> but I don't think any of us in this room, all four of us are, are pastors. All four of us have uh, accepted a call to, minister, to vocational ministry in some form or fashion. And I don't think any of us... If we shared our testimony, I don't think any of us were like, yeah, no, that's what I'm going to be when I grow up. I'm going to be a preacher. Mm-hmm. Jeff, I mean, was that you? And I'm like,
1: No, I beat you up and cussed you out.
0: I <laughs> said you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know, Jeremiah, you said this yesterday. You said, you know, you go back and think about the first sermon you preached and uh, you, you cringe yeah. at, 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 at that. And uh, I, I'm the same way. I think back. Um, I've always done, I've always been in church, like I grew up so I, I, I grew up in Kentucky, and, and uh, my mom and dad took me to church every time the doors were open. Um, when I was just a little bitty guy, um, uh, I was singing in church. I was singing solos in church and stuff. So I've always done that.
1: Well, I mean, when I was little, though, I remember I wrote a report in school. My mom kept all of our stuff and so my sisters gave me this big box of stuff that belonged to me. Uh-huh. And uh, I had wrote a report that I was going, wanted to be a missionary, Oh, wow. Well, it was, probably, it was probably about the, I don't know, maybe seventh grade or something. Oh, okay. It was pretty cool. So, I mean, so there was kind of a um, a pull or a call because, you know, the missionaries would come and right. it was so exciting to see all their slides. Right. You were thinking, oh, I'd like yeah. to do that one day. Yeah, yeah. So, it wasn't really like, um, like something Indiana from the... Like, yeah, so what, yeah from like Indiana I Jones. No, yeah. I wanted to be Indiana Jones. Yeah. That, yeah. Was that was mine. So, yeah. be, it wasn't like something from the Lord... but when the Lord did start calling me it was like you know we call it the struggle because normally if somebody's like yeah I'm called to do this and they're fired up about it you're you're thinking about you're almost like are you sure about it because (laughs) most people that are called it's like are you sure God I'm the one you're calling so there's that struggle. yeah that's that's what I was going to
0: get to I think I think all of us like even me so I grew up like I said I grew up when I was little I was singing in church and I stood in front of the church and would sing and and, um, and that, that continued on all throughout my childhood and into my teenage years. Um, so, like, even, uh, you know, I, I never had a problem setting up to sing the solo. And a lot of times I would just, you know, I would do what a lot of singers do, which is kind of um, sort of set up the song by talking about it beforehand. Mm-hmm. is what a worship pastor does, too, in, in a lot of ways. And so I would do that kind of thing. And, um, but when... When when I felt the call to preach, um, I I I fought that because I said no, I'm 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 a singer, not a pastor. Mm -hmm. Don't want and and I'm not a preacher, and uh, I'm too young. I don't know enough. Um, There's there's no way you're calling me to do this. Mm -hmm. And even when I finally did accept the call to preach. That was it. I drew the line there. I'm like, God, that's it. I'm, I'll, I'll preach and I'll sing, but I'm not being a pastor. I don't want a pastor. <laughs> I have no desire to pastor. I don't want to do this for a living. I, I don't, I'm going to go learn computers and stuff like that. I'm going, do, I'm going to do that in college. So I didn't go to college to be a, to be a pastor. Um, both of you guys, the two younger of you, you guys went to Bible college. I did not go to Bible college. I teach at a Bible college now, but I didn't go to a Bible college. I didn't do any kind of undergrad Bible stuff at all. Um, uh, I used my undergrad to kind of pursue a career uh, that was n- had nothing to do with ministry yeah. and when I graduated college uh, I ended up working for the federal government for three years and it was out of that that God called me to be a pastor so um, but yeah so yeah, actually
2: I didn't I didn't start you didn't start with Bible college either yeah. right yeah. I transferred to Bible college once I surrendered to ministry but right, I started out uh, you were in economic
1: accounting, accounting. economic kind of thing. yeah yeah,
2: yeah. For uh, over two years. Right, right. So first which made me had to I had to go to college for five years instead of four. <laughs> which is
1: annoying. Well I went five too, but that was a different
3: Yeah. That was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, with um I was lucky when I was in high school. I felt my call about age fifteen or so. Uh-huh. But if you would have told me I would have pastored in a place like Durham, I would have said you're yeah. Crazy. There's no way I would have ever done urban or suburban. We ministry. say that every week. Oh I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I I just always kinda envisioned i About you. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. <laughs> I'd just go to seminary, come back, get a twenty member church somewhere and just have at it, you know, yeah. back in Dobson. But the Lord definitely had other plans, so Yeah. And I also hated kids at first too. Oh, okay. so, yeah, so does Jeremiah. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't stand like I couldn't stand kids at age fifteen, and then I'm the kids' pastor. So <laughs> no, no uh, I'm kidding. By the way, this
2: yeah, that's just Jeremiah. the inside joke. That's the inside joke. <laughs> uh,
0: no, I I I think so. I think I think the thing is though is that, and I said this yesterday. I, I think a lot of times we. We, as, as humans, tend to look at abilities. We look at our abilities and we say, well, I can do this or I can do that, but I can't do this or that, right? And God doesn't do that. And I think often, I, I really do think, like you said, Jeff, it's it's normally just, it's a struggle because God doesn't call you based on your ability but on your availability. He's more interested in, 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 in are you available to be what I want you to be? Let me take care of all the details. Um, and... Uh, it, it's so true. I mean, like with so many guys who are called to ministry, if you talk to them, that's the same sort of same sort of thing that they say. I, I, I want to do this, or I, I really mm-hmm. I struggle with this. I didn't. I didn't like. You know. I didn't. This was not what I planned. <laughs> and, uh, um, oh, that's okay. If you need to get that, <laughs> sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, but but all of us. Had, and so so I think that. Um, the, for this to be the theme of a, of a, you know, like a student camp, um, is, is, is appropriate, especially for students who are Christians, you know, who are struggling with, you know, well, and I like what you said to the students at camp, and I, I reiterated it yesterday, that, you know, you know, this is the last night of camp where, where we had just finished up, um, finished up everything, and Jeremiah kind of was doing a debrief with the students afterwards, and, he just reminded them like every one of you has the potential every single one of you has the potential to to do great amazing incredible things for the kingdom of God um, and if you think that you don't then then you know you, you do you you do you you're, it's not about what you think it's about being available to for God to use you um, and so I, I just think that's you know I think there's probably a lot of students who who, who do that they you know, because again, our culture does that. Our culture looks at, at, at someone that says, Oh, okay, well that that guy can can do this, he or he can't do that. And even in schools, man, there are teachers who, who will tell students who maybe initially struggle with academic stuff, yeah, you're never gonna amount to doing to do anything. And then those same students grow up to be business CEOs, you know, and all these kind of things. And and um, you know, it's um it it may look like on the outside that you're an unlikely candidate, but God doesn't see things that way. God sees, God looks at your heart. Um, and so, and that's even true when it comes to salvation too, right? I think some people go, well, I can't be saved. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unlikely that God would love me. It's unlikely that God would would want me in his kingdom. Uh, and then you find out that no, that's not the case. The case is that God, um, God again looks at your heart and desires you. So. Cool,
1: cool theme. And, you know, it's kind of funny. We do the same thing that uh, Samuel was doing, looking at all these people and thinking, hey, that guy, he's got it together. He'd make a good deacon or he'll make yeah. a good Sunday school teacher or she'll make a good uh, youth youth leader or whatever. And so we're looking at outward appearances and mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. when really the one maybe God's trying to pick out is the one that's over there that is not not, not showing all these, these traits, but they have the heart. Uh, you know to serve God yeah and so it helps us as pastors always to sit back when when we're thinking about leaders and things like that to look at people from the heart first and then the outside second because you know there's some people that have the outside stuff going on too and they have the heart Mm -hmm. but more than likely um, if you're just looking at the outside it's not really the the right person or the right fit yeah and um, you know we do it all the time um uh, you know my, all the time
0: My favorite person that that, that, that that serves as deacon is that for is that guy that we go to and go, hey, you know church nominated you and we think that you would be a good candidate and their, and, and their first response is nah, I, I, you know no way. Mm-hmm. you know I like that person yeah because that person that person um, is going into it realize you know thinking thinking like we do, right that I, I can't do that. But they're not going in arrogant, right? They're humble. They, they they realize it's not about it's not about me. But then, you know, I, I say they're my favorite person. My favorite favorite person is the person who does that and says, "But I'll serve anyway. I can't be me, but if that's what if that's what God wants me to do, then I'll serve." And and then they end up being incredible deacons. Yes, yeah. you know but that's uh, that's true. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, some of the things we heard from the students because. And there's some really great insight um, yeah, from our students yesterday. Ones. Some, some, some really cool things that, that was said. Um, uh, one of the ones that that's, that stood out to me, and it's not just because it's uh, not because it's my daughter. It's just I'm, I was impressed by the fact that that she said this um, was uh, when when she said uh, when I was hope. Um, said, you know, the the thing that stood out to her was that the gospel doesn't start, stop stop with me. The gospel doesn't stop with me, and um, she said, you know, it's so easy to just kind of get caught up in your own salvation, your own walk of faith. And you forget about that there's other people out there who need this, and uh, and that you know it's important to to share to share your faith to 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 live it out there because it's not just about me. And I think, man. There's a lot of Christians who need to hear that. A lot of Christians who, who stop at me. Like, I got myself taken care of. I got my fire insurance. I'm, I'm good. That's all I need to worry about now. And, you know, it's up to you to figure it out, Jeremiah. It's up to you, Blake, to figure it out. You know, I figured it out. Why can't you figure it out for yourself, right? And but the truth is, is that you... I don't think any of us figure it out for ourselves. Somebody has to share, right? That's a good question. Can you come to can you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ without somebody sharing it with you?
2: So this is a this is a tough one because we believe in the sufficiency of scripture, right? And what that means is, is that we believe that Scripture has everything in it that you need in order to become okay. a believer. Okay. Um, so technically, you don't need another human mm-hmm. to to share the gospel with you. Mm-hmm.
1: However, you need the Scripture, yeah. which was written by <laughs> humans inspired by God. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, not just that. Why would you? Why would some random person just pick up this book? Mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying mm-hmm. I, I think that happens I think God leads I mean the Gideons that was yeah. kind of their whole mission but still, statement but still
1: the book was written human human uh, it took human humans to actually be part of writing the scripture and preserving yeah. it and creating it so still there was somebody has the message now is your question more like if I'm just out in the Amazon somewhere, and never heard of Jesus, never heard of the Bible, never heard of nothing? Mm-hmm. Can I come to Christ?
0: Well, yeah. Is that your question? Well, is yeah. It, yeah I th-
1: I, 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 or is it like well, if, if I, I, I want show to show up in a jail cell and there's a Gideon Bible, I pick it up and read it? Yeah, I could get saved. Yeah, but still, there was a human effort involved
0: in right, right. Progress, I just kind of want to know propagating the gospel. Yeah, I want to know: Can you? Does it take someone? Does it take? someone sharing uh, for someone. Because when he brought up the because Scripture, I thought about
1: an okay. eunuch who was reading it, he's but reading he said, who is this about? And then he told him who was it about. Right. Because if it doesn't,
0: if, if it doesn't take a human and sur- Scripture is sufficient, then why not take the approach of the Gideons? Alright, so you don't have to worry ever about sharing your faith. Just make sure that somebody gets a Bible in their hand. yeah Because the Bible is sufficient enough um, and we don't need know that's that's all they need that's 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 all that's necessary just get a Bible in their hands and you win Mm -hmm. that's sharing your that's sharing your faith is putting the Bible in their hands but I don't think any of us would agree with that necessarily Um, not as an approach to missions and the reason for that is is
2: because like I said I don't think there's any person on earth that's just gonna read this book without the precursor like someone telling them hey this book is important hey Mm -hmm. this book contains the words of God so like um, I think it, it might happen like for the Gideons in their mission I think they're working under the assumption that these people have heard about Jesus, mm-hmm. have heard about the Bible, mm-hmm. have heard about Christianity in Most general. Most places they go, yeah, that's true, yeah, because like, like prisons and they hope that someone's or... in a bad spot, they're in a hotel room or whatever, mm-hmm. and they see the Gideon Bible and they turn to that. But that person's going to have precursor, especially in America. Right, you're going to have a preconceived notion of the Bible, preconceived notion of Jesus, and the so it. Like I said, I don't think I don't think the person in the Amazon who doesn't have access to Jesus, they're also not going to have access to the Bible, mm-hmm. like at all. And if they did have access to the Bible, it's not going to be their language. It, yeah, it's not going to be their language. They're not gonna. They're not gonna know about the the God who like they don't have any preconceived notion to to motivate them to even read it.
0: Right. What and do we I, make of those uh, of like the the Muslims who have the dreams and stuff like that? Yeah.
3: Well, and hearing some people talk about it, like over at Southeastern's Chapel and stuff, uh, you know, they've heard, um, you know, they'll have like this dream when it's like God, you know, God speaking to them. Um, But usually what always happens is it's either like go to the coastline and you'll find this person or, um, like I think it was David Platt was actually telling the story at camp about how um, it was, he had to get to the airport at like 3 a.m. And, uh, his Uber driver was a Muslim guy, and mm-hmm. he was saying that he had a dream that this baby was saying, don't underestimate what God can do. And he was like, do you understand what this means? And he's like, well, I'm usually not a dream interpreter. <laughs> but, yeah, right, right. But, you know, because Muslims don't believe that God came down as a human. Right. They don't Especially believe Especially not a baby. Right. Yeah. They yeah. wouldn't believe that God would even mess with any notion of that. Mm-hmm. And David Platt was like, yeah, he yeah. came. You know, God became human. We call him Jesus, mm-hmm. and the guy got saved.
1: But even a Muslim, they they do know about Jesus. It's in their scripture, his name, and everything. They just don't follow him. Right, right. They right. believe he was one of the prophets, but Muhammad is the greatest prophet. Right, right. right. So even even so, there then, is kind of a notion of Jesus. So I think your question was, well, that's
2: yeah. what his question is, is a lot of their no, testimonies if, are based on a dream.
3: Yeah, but a human, and he's asking, can we just get
2: saved? Like, is is God giving dreams out there just at random, so that people can come and be saved? um,
1: Technical, the technical answer is God can do pretty much anything he wants. He could, but But he's
2: not going to operate in ways outside of his word. Meaning that I don't think he does do that at all. Yeah, he could do it. I don't think he does, and because all these dreams that the Muslims give. They're always tied to, I was told to go meet someone. I was, I was, there's a, or there's a situation where someone came and interpreted their yeah, dream yeah, for them. Yeah. And so God still sent a messenger. And yeah. that's why we, when we, before camp, we talked a whole lot about when we seek God, we find him. And I think, I think some of these individuals, they're genuinely seeking. And so God sends a messenger. He sends a missionary, meaning that they still have to hear. So even with, even with the dream, the dream might help. Like for instance, in in Paul's missionary, or, right. or there were some ex, some awesome circumstances surrounding when Paul became a Christian right, right. that not everyone has access right, right, to. Damascus but he still needed uh, Ananias to come mm-hmm. and tell or. Right. Uh, was that his name? Yeah, yeah Ananias, mm-hmm. yeah. to come and to come in explain. Hey, this is what's happening. Right. This was God's God's voice because mm-hmm. God actually says it's me, it's Lord. But he still, even though God said, "I, I am the Lord," I am I am Yahweh. I am the one. Uh, he still sends a messenger. So right. that's more than a dream. God showed up to him himself and still said he needed a messenger in right. order to kind of. The, finish the deal for him. Right, I future. think
0: about the verses that you shared yesterday, Jeremiah, when we talk about things like this. Romans, we'll Paul's writing to the mm-hmm. Roman church at Rome, Romans 10, uh, 14 and 15. You did 13 through 13, 14, 15. 13 starts off, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he says, but how will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent? Mm-hmm. Um, and so here we have this idea that um, it seems that sending and preaching and t- people hearing it is is uh, is of some importance to being able to believe and to to and and if you tie that together with the, the verse thirteen, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can you call on somebody you don't even you've right. never heard of? Yeah. How can you call in someone that you, you don't believe you can't believe in someone you've never heard of? And the only way you'll ever hear of them is if we go and we Which kind of it.
1: dovetails the last message about John, about the belief. We talked had that big discussion right, about right, belief. Right on and belief. That, uh you know, the whole so what, like read the chapters, who's Jesus? What am I gonna do about it? Right, right. So so even if even if that point where I read the scriptures, and let's say, I, and the, even the Gideons in the back of the Bible has an explanation <laughs> of the gospel and how you can right. receive Christ. So, yeah. so even at that, if I just had a Bible that didn't have that, right? Um, I think I could still make a faith commitment, but it would behoove me to have someone that can help disciple me to live that life out. You know, that that one-time commitment is one thing, but then the how do you live this out?
0: You know, it's it's interesting too when you think about it. When Paul's writing those words to the church at Rome there's not a there's not a what we call you know a canon of scripture at that point there's not like a put together old testament new testament in a language that everybody can understand you know you're talking about scripture is sufficient at this point scripture hasn't even been completed yet yeah. right and so and he's saying it, it takes somebody go to t- to go and tell them yeah um and so, um, you know, I, I guess in some ways, Scripture does do some of that. But I, I just, I, I'm, I think, I would, I, like you said, I don't want, I, as a missionary strategy, uh, just getting Scriptures in people's hands, I think is not, I mean, not that it can't work. It can. And, and if someone's willing to read it, and they do read it, and then I think there's enough there for them to, to make a decision to follow Christ, um certainly that's happened in the past but i think that's not necessarily intent that's not very much about making disciples right i don't think when jesus says go and and teach and teach them to, all, things. Teach them all <laughs> things he didn't mean go give them bibles yeah. <laughs> you know i think he, he means to go and make disciples
2: assuming they can read and yes there's, right. there's 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 uh unreached people groups that don't even have a written language
1: right yeah
2: so like they don't, you can't
1: hand them a Bible. Right. right. They I mean, don't even have would, a written yeah, you know. language. They, their language is just spoken. Well, yeah. and like when I was in Haiti on a uh, mission trip, I mean, people had Bibles that we carry them to, to church and all. And I was like, man, that's great. All these people have Bibles. And the guy that was we were working with said, he said, yeah, it's a big thing to carry a Bible and have a Bible, but ninety percent of these people can't read. Yeah, they can't. Mm-hmm. So they yeah, have literate yeah so so the preaching is still necessary yeah but for them to be spiritual you had to have this bible and carry mm-hmm. the bible mm-hmm. and so um, it's a talisman so, yeah so mm-hmm. so sit still you have to have a way of like even Jesus you know your your favorite passage of mess took yeah. the scriptures that, you know, and, and says hey respond. this these is these are the scriptures that pointed to me and this is how I fed into everything that was going on and everything that was said and written about me and so that's really the scripture they had. I mean, Paul quotes, you know, the Old Testament here. Uh, that, that that was their scripture, mm-hmm. but they had to point people to Jesus.
3: Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, when he was preaching, their minds were opened up, is what it says. Uh, he opened up their minds, and it was through their preaching. And I think that's why Paul, in verse 17 in chapter 10 of Romans, says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's, kind of, yeah, it's kind of funny we're talking about this because
1: I was flipping through the channels last night and uh, one of our favorite TV preachers came on and he has this whole spiel <laughs> at the beginning of his whole service about you hold up your Bible. Bible. Yeah, yeah. He quote this mantra.
0: This is my Bible. There is none like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and and then, then he proceeds
1: to start preaching. And I'm like, okay. So <laughs> I'm like, he was saying a lot of stuff. A lot of it was like positive motivation and so I listened for about 15 or 20 minutes of it thinking well eventually there's going to be like a passage to mm-hmm. refer to but it was the snippets of passages and he started talking about Joseph which I thought oh that's pretty interesting because we just did Joseph right, with DBS. And then he says well, you know and Joseph you know was probably thinking about David uh when you know David was a shepherd boy too and God picked him out and I'm thinking David doesn't exist yet. Click. Turn the TV (laughs) off.
3: Well, what's crazy was, (laughs) it's like, like, are you serious? He was using, like, and that's what a lot of Did you of those, watch the same thing? No, I didn't. No, I'm just saying, a lot of times they'll use Scripture to support their points instead of letting their points be Or back. parts of Scripture. Yeah. yeah. And he quoted really some in scripture,
1: scripture in Proverbs. I'm like, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> so. well,
3: well, and even but
1: perfect. yeah, once he said, you know, Joseph was thinking about David, I'm like, David didn't exist. Click.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah Go to bed. <laughs> <had enough. laughs> Well, let's talk about another insight that was shared with us. uh, Also, uh,
2: I just want a point of clarification. And I think I said this yesterday, but I want to make it clear. Camp probably sounded a little uh, on the post-relationship with Christ side because all of our students, uh, and this is maybe the first year this has ever happened, Mm. they all... uh, were professing believers before we left for camp yeah so in their reflections it's less like uh i I believed god was calling me into a relationship with him and so there was a pretty big emphasis for us on mission or the mission and sharing christ discipleship uh so you probably know i noticed that you probably noticed it so I just wanted to throw that out there. Like We worked under the uh, assumption that everyone had a relationship. Obviously, we want to nail that down throughout the week and there's probably some who profess and may not be, but that can't be our focus. We we focus with the assumption they are believers, so what's next? Yeah, for that group, they
1: all were professing
2: at some time in their life
0: kind of thing. Well, like, um, I think it's uh, Kalen brought up, Kalen's a Probably the newest believer, of a, he is the newest believer of the group, and um, I thought it was interesting that the, the the illustration sort of that stood out to him was uh, Platts rope that, mm, that he does, yeah. you know, and and um, and that's more of a and 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 it makes sense that that would stand out to him, right? Because it, he's he's just now sort of being introduced to this idea. He's just recently given his surrendered his life to Christ, and he understands now um well, you know that understanding of of my life is just this brief part of greater eternity uh that mindset for him is is more i think that probably resonates with him a little bit more now right that he's a christian and he realizes there's more to life than just the 80 to 90 year you know, 70 to 80 90 years or whatever i have here in on this earth um if you've never seen Platt do this before, it's in the illustrations used in the past, but um, he gets a rope and and has the very end of the rope uh, just kind of taped off with a little bit of blue tape. And he says, you imagine this, we have just this little tip here of the rope. And he says, but imagine that this isn't the end of the rope and the rope actually goes off the stage, you know, out the hotel, uh, goes all the way down the beach, Goes across the ocean, goes all the way around the globe, you know, a million times, goes out into space, never, ever, ever, ever ends. There's no end to this rope. And he said, That is eternity. And this little section here is your lifespan. Why do we spend so much time on this little bitty section here when there's all of that? <laughs> that you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And so I think for for Kalen you know, recognizes that, and then I think you heard echoes of that in, in some of the other students. Like Jada was talking about how easy it is to get distracted. You know, using the beach example, like how when the current, you're out, no, yeah, the current how the current drifts you, you know, and how there can be drift in your life to keep to pull you away from Jesus. Yeah. So um,
2: actually, after that, because uh, a few people mentioned that, after that illustration, uh, we actually got to go to the the beach, and I knew that that's something that happens. Right and so I don't know if you noticed, but I went out to a certain spot because I didn't want I didn't want to get my shirt wet uh-huh. I wanted to wear I wanted to wear it the next day uh-huh. uh I went out to a certain spot and I just stood uh-huh. uh, and I told them hey, I'm gonna stand here so that you can see me because it's hard to see the people up on the beach right and uh, I mean not three minutes later they're hundred yards from me <laughs> like and, and they, they I would see them look up for me and then they'd have to scan the whole beach <laughs> to find me because uh, uh, luckily we were next to that Ferris wheel which mm-hmm. is a right. good spot yeah, to, a to, yeah to, to know where to go back up to find our towels and stuff and, and the person who's holding all of our stuff uh, but yeah I mean you you, you don't even like It's not that you're actively trying to to waver or to drift, but Uh it's going to happen. Yeah. And that's not just an illustration on the beach. Like, that's true in life. Unless you're actively trying not to drift, you're going to drift.
0: Which is why I think that the thing that you told the students before they went to campus is is so true. One of the reasons why we get that camp high is because we're actively, um, intentionally seeking God. As at, in in community with one another and in community with Him for a week, mm-hmm. we're just really seeking God every day. And and while we're doing that, we're not going to drift as much, right? We're 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 going to stay solid. And and we get and we then we reap the, we reap the benefits of that. But as soon as we as soon as we stop doing that, as soon as we stop intentionally looking for God, um, we find ourselves very quickly in the drift. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. Well, and I always something too that's good for. Youth to hear, going back to kind of like Kalen's story. Um, my high school football coach would do devotions with us, and mm-hmm. he um, he would always do like a yearly one called the Four Eyes, mm-hmm. and one of those were um, one of those was um, You're not invincible, mm-hmm. and so many times, like during youth and even like you know, I struggle. With, most youth struggle with thinking that they are invincible. You know, nothing's right. going to happen to them. Right, and you, you just don't have that. Perspective of that longer eternity, like mm-hmm. what Platt was talking about. So I was glad to hear that that was part of his testimony, along with I was also glad to hear Platt preach on that. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so, like, what I was going to say is, like, Jada talks about the, you know, so talking about that idea of how, how important it is to have more of an eternal focus than it is to have a, a temporal focus. And I think he heard the same sort of thing mentioned by uh, Clark. When he said when he when he mentioned uh, Mike Kelsey's uh, words he said um, the thing you need more than anything else is intimacy with God and he said if you can learn that it'll save you a lot of heartache because he said and he used that Mary and Martha story where you have Mary at the feet of Jesus you know and Martha's going about doing all these things um, and uh, he said um, he uh, so often we get caught up in sort of the spin cycle of life where just all these things are going on and we think they're so important. We think that, you know, this the, the turmoil I'm in with my relationship with my boyfriend and girlfriend is all that matters right now or the the struggles I'm having at my job are, are, are just overwhelming or, you know, I'm using some adult examples here too. You know, my my bank account status right now is just overwhelming and so... We think that that's the most important thing, but the thing that we have to remember as teenagers and as adults, as Christians, is that the thing we need more than anything else in the world, anything else, is intimacy with God. And if you get that right, then everything else kind of, there's benefits that follow after that. And he outlined some of those benefits too, but um, I, thought that, I, th- I thought, again... That and Kaelin's insight, and then what Jada said, I think, just sort of all sort of dovetail well with one mm-hmm. another. It's this idea of being intentional about seeking intimacy with God and how important that is, that really is. And then David mentioned one, and and I, I, and I um, David's insight that he shared, um, I actually don't know as much about it. Yeah, um, is this idea that uh, I think it also came from Mike Kelsey, yeah, who said that <clears throat> that we have to view God through the lens of grace. So um, expound on that for me a little bit, because I know David tried to, but I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I I, want to hear more about. So basically
2: he said, he he asked everyone to raise their hand. Who's ever tried to look at the sun? And and everyone in the room is like, oh, yeah. So it's kind of like God's holiness. Yeah, and he's like, and and then he talked about, you know, uh, of course, I've tried multiple times. I feel like I can do it. Yeah. Uh, And we can't. Because when you look at the full, I mean, and that's not even the full sun. I mean, because mm-hmm. there's so many things between us and the sun, um, it's just too bright. Right. But we are able to look at the at the sun um, through a lens we call sunglasses, and that's right. what like baseball players use, and. Um, and so then he, he used that to say that God was the son, right? He's, you, can't, you can't fathom him. You're not going to understand the joy that you feel in a relationship with Christ uh, because you just can't look upon it. It's too holy, too other than you. Mm-hmm. And so you need the lens both of grace and relationship, but also the lens of Scripture mm. to help you understand what's going on, to help you understand who God really is. Uh, and that's the lens you want to look through, so that you can see God. It's, it's. You're only truly seeing God if if you're in relationship with Him and and have access to His Word and His His revelation of Himself. So right. it was probably more complicated than David said. I think David probably could have uh, uh, done better <laughs> two, two weeks
0: ago, three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: but it's kind of an advanced kind of philosophical uh, yeah. illustrations.
0: Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I gather that that's what he was trying to get at. Yeah. I, I think I tried to say something like that yesterday. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so so it's that idea that you can't even comprehend God because he's so, so other than. Him. Which, you know, I've often thought... Um, I mean, I know that, that in the Old Testament, we see people in communication with God... Um, but I, 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 have this idea in my mind and I, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think that had, a, had, the only way that we can truly comprehend God and understand who he is and understand his will for our lives and all that is through Jesus Christ, because we couldn't understand God, um, and, and, and until he came into a form that we can understand, does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. that we couldn't really understand him, and 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 uh, certainly couldn't enter into a, a real relationship with him unless he comes as as one of us. And so, um, the coming of God, at, you know, God in the person of Jesus Christ. Um. Seems to me to be important for us to truly understand who God is. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that because, again, in the Old Testament, you do see people being able to communicate with God and and seem to have a relationship with Him. But um, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? Have you uh, uh, is is Jesus necessary for us to understand who God is?
2: Again, I think yeah. the scriptures are the. Ne- Right, that's that's God's revelation of who He is. So, God revealed Himself in the Scriptures. Right. But then, when Jesus shows up, Jesus says, "But the Scriptures were all about Me." Right. So, uh, you're you're basically saying the same thing when you say that that God revealed Himself in the Scriptures. He also revealed Himself in Jesus, because you won't properly understand the Scriptures unless you properly understand Jesus. Right. And I think, um, yeah,
1: so I think the Old Testament. I always look at, like, snippets or glimpses or, you know, photographs or, you know, um, video clips of God. So, mm-hmm. so, so like, for Moses, for example, he wanted to see God, but he wanted to see God in all his full glory. And God's like... You can't do that. You'll die. Right. And so he turned turn around, and God showed his backside to him. So he showed him a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's always just a little bit. Right. Uh, when Jacob wrestled, he's like, I wrestled with God and lived. Mm-hmm. Well, he it was some kind of form that he wrestled with God. Right. Uh, and so um, so Jesus then actually, when he comes, uh, we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So right because he was able to show that lens of grace and truth, then he was able to reveal who God really is. And right. then, of course, his glory was there on the cross uh, for everybody to see and behold, and then the veil was torn, which right. then gives us that opportunity to go into the presence of God uh, in a in an invisible sense here on this earth where we're in this form, but eventually in that, that eternal form that uh, Platt was alluding to, we'll actually be able to see him face to face and we'll be like him because we'll see him like, like right. he is. I think, I think, so, we'll, I think right now we have that glass darkly and all that right. stuff.
0: I think of Hebrews <coughs> 1 too, you know, uh, long ago God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times in different ways. In these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. God has appointed a mayor of all things and made the universe through him. The son is the radiance of God's glory. Mm-hmm. And the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So, the idea there being that that, that he's the exact expression of God, yeah. and so um, he's a more I think he's a more understandable expression, right? Because and you're right that the I guess where I'm get, getting at with that is exactly what you said. Even if we think that the word is sufficient, the word is. The recorded revelation of God about His uh, about Jesus Christ, right about His Son, which is His true revelation of Himself, right. Um, but the only revelation we have available to us is is Scripture, mm. and so that's why it's so important. Um, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Um, and then um, uh, I'll I'll use the 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 last couple of them that I think stood out, and I think. Um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Jesse sort of talked about, um, I think she talked about missions as well. Yeah. And so did Autumn. Yeah. Both of them talked about the importance of of sharing the gospel and um, how that sort of last night sort of resonated with them. Um, and so, and that sort of led into your your message, which was an illustration that David Platt uses um, uh, and used in that last uh, session about Coca-Cola and, and how how Coca-Cola um, has had this really humble beginning. Like they sold like nine drinks a day. Um, and then they grew to this mega, uh, mega industry where um, three, well, you say 3% of the world's beverages are Coke. Um, that there's so many flavors of Coke that you it would take you nine months to drink them off if you drank one a day. No, nine uh, years. Nine years? One, um, one a
2: day, nine years. Uh,
0: that there's so many different flavors of it. And, and uh, that there is... Uh, that uh, there... Well, and all the other products of their model. Yeah, now, their too. net
2: worth. Yeah, they, they technically own like Minute Maid, right? So there's like yeah. juices, right? But uh, their
1: net. I think Gatorade might be Coke. Man, I'm not so. sure I don't know. But much their much
0: their net worth is greater than most countries' economies. Um, uh, uh, you know that that's that's incredible,
3: yeah.
0: um, and that they're the big thing is though is that they are spread globally. To the point that, and I, I really, uh, David mentioned this in, in his illustration. Well, then you gave two really great uh, anecdotes yesterday about your own experiences with being in the middle of the Amazonian jungle where, you know, it takes four days just to just to get there um, and uh, and there's no easy way to get there. And you get there and Coke is already there. The gospel isn't there. These people don't know who Jesus is at all, but they know Coca-Cola. yeah and, and, and de- the, the thing that David Platt said, and, and this resonated with me a lot, is that Coca-Cola has done a better job of selling the world brown sugar water than the church has done in giving them eternal life. Mm. And that that's really condemning. And, and, and we've been around longer. A lot longer. A lot longer. Thousands of years. Well, and part of the Coke's mission. If you,
1: it, I like to watch the History Channel. They have like these series called "The Food That Built America," "The Beverages." They have the cola War wars and all that stuff. Right. <clears throat> and these these companies and all, through missionary efforts, were able to um, help 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 them then. Get to these
0: places. Yeah, that that was gonna and be my so, question. How do they get there? Yeah, how how so, did how did Coke get in the middle of the jungle? How does so the, it get? in So then the, the
1: missionaries, you know, they come and they bring the product, and so they're having it, and so uh, so once once it's like you know like they go into a village and everybody's naked, so like you got to dress, you got to put on clothes. And now mm-hmm. if you look, if you turn on the TV and there's something that happens in Nigeria, you're gonna see people walking, walking around with Nike shorts and Mm -hmm. t-shirts and all so so part of our taking the gospel to these places brought other things as well so industry followed and um and a lot of times the industry was there to begin with and the missionaries followed the but what what what
0: what isn't explained though is how it's how it how it's in places where the gospel is not so yeah i I mean
1: because i know i went to south africa it's there i went to haiti it's there i went to Guatemala's there, but they were kind of like industrialized more. Uh, well, the places out. like Jeremiah's but, talking but the, about, yeah, the one where he went to the lady that was the indigenous group that they're protecting, which they don't want any outsiders to come. And there's other places like that for that lady to have a Coke bottle,
0: then <laughs> yeah. just shows you that <laughs> uh, she recognized she recognized the the yeah like recognize the brand, recognize the label. The, whether they
1: planned that to happen or it happened. I don't know if they. I don't think they
0: planned it, but it's amazing that it happened.
3: So if you've ever been to the World of Coke down in
0: oh, the, at, oh, I have. Well, not Atlanta. not in Atlanta. I've been to the uh, Disney has a, uh, a like a <clears throat> sort of a similar thing to yeah. where they have like like a um, at Epcot they had a whole World right. of Coke. So I've
3: been to the World of Coke about ten years ago. Uh-huh. and you, you remember go, it? Yeah, you were like twelve. Yeah, we were going to. <laughs> <really> <laughs> <laughs> My brain was somewhat <laughs> developed <then. laughs> All right, but, so anyway. Uh, but, um, yeah, we were down in Atlanta and went to the world of Coke, and they take you through, like, you know, the bottle and how it's made, this and that. But at the end, they have, like, the uh, Coke, or, I don't remember the specific name, but it's, like, Coke around the world. Mm-hmm. So you see f- from somebody coming in that they are very strategic in the world. So, like, they have multiple fountains. They have, like, a South America section. And they had something like Inca Cola there. Yeah. So yeah,
2: you know, there's more Coke consumed in Mexico than in America. Yeah. And
3: so they're very because stri- like <laughs> they have crazy. a they have a strategic like here's our South American products, here's our mm-hmm. African product, our mm-hmm. Asian products, our European. Yeah. Products. So once they get mm-hmm. into
1: the market, then they adapt their flavors and all to the current. Oh, they definitely yeah. do. In fact, like if it's a mango, that's why you're like if you go to the store now you can get mango coke or mango pepsi and, and they
3: have got like the coke machines now yeah. but all sorts oh, yeah, of, perhaps, right right yeah. but um, there, there there are whole um, but i
1: think the military brought a bunch of it in too because like the military guys would give candy bars they would give cokes and things when they were trying to uh show that we're friendlies and stuff so so a lot of those companies that's how they made it if if you look at some of the uh, stories from how uh you know the food that built america kind of thing. For them to survive, they they got contracts with the military, mm-hmm. and so so Coke was like, "Hey, yeah, this will help the guys; it will pep them up and all that other mm-hmm. stuff." So they were providing them these things. That's how they survived during after the depression to be able to get out of it. And then that became part of the phenomenon too. Then, so if I can't be an American, I can get a I can get a taste of America, well, kind of thing.
0: But still, it's it, it, it's amazing to me. Well, the world is Coke smarter could, than the the church. That's but that I mean, so what? We've got a arguably much better product that we offer for free. That that is an eternal thing, uh, not a temporal thing, and that answers all of the questions that everybody struggles with in life, because we all have these worldview questions. That was the thing that Platt talked about in the story that he told. <clears throat> he the, they, they were going in and they were doing these, these these missionaries were going in and they were asked to do these survey questions with the people there and it was somewhere I think in the Middle East I think is where it was. But anyway, <clears throat> it was in Asia somewhere. There was t- I thought it was in the it wasn't in the same
2: place you went?
0: I don't think Nepal. it was in Nepal. Nepal. It, it, I, it, was, it was somewhere in Asia. Yeah, just sure. somewhere in Asia. And they were asked to go in there they were doing surveys with these with these people. And they were asking them, you know, uh, basic questions like, you know, where did we come from? And they're like, we don't know. Um, you know, um, where, you know, what happens when we die? Well, we have some ideas, but we're not really sure. Um, you know, those, those kind of questions like, is there <clears throat> is there right and wrong? And how do we know the difference between right and wrong? And they're like, <clears throat> nobody's ever told us these things. And they're like, well... You know, we we would love to talk to you about you know about Jesus and 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 about the about the Bible, and they're like, yes, please do. Nobody's ever told us these things. Mm-hmm. This is all new to us, and they were so enthralled. They said, hey, um, um, we'd love to have we'd love to have you know uh, sit down with you guys and just talk with you more, come into our home, and so they come to their home, and the thing that they serve them is Coca Cola, mm-hmm. and so it struck him that. Coke is there and they're enjoying Coca-Cola but they don't have answers to their biggest questions that the church has and has had for centuries and yet Coke has done a better job of getting their product out there. And man, is it that we've not been intentional? Is it that... um, I mean, to some degree, um, I guess Coke... Coca Cola or any product, any industry product, um, sort of uh, satiates our 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 temporal uh, our, our our temporal state, right? And we, we tend to do that as humans. We want our current state taken care of. Yeah. We want we want instant gratification, instant gratification, or something that we can sense. We're very sensible, sensual creatures, right? And so, um, what we what we offer. Um, is eternal and can't always be grasped with the senses. And so maybe that's part of what the problem is, the disconnect. Um, even in our own culture, I think that's the case, that it's it's harder to get people to talk about eternal matters because they just don't see where it crosses over with where they are right now on their piece of blue tape, right, to go mm-hmm. back to that demonstration. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, that and uh, it's not exactly illegal. Right. Or immoral. hmm so, like, governments aren't actively antagonistic to Coke. So, right, that's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's not really a one-to-one. We get that. Right. But it's, it's an illustration to get you thinking, like, hey, 94% of the world knows what Recognizes Coke is. Recognizes Lego, yeah. Right. But only, like, 68, I think, percent of the world. Well, I guess it would only be 66% of the world. Well, whatever, three out of eight. 60 something percent of the world knows who jesus is Mm -hmm. and so it's just a good just to get you thinking like hey how can i be more proactive not that you need to necessarily go Mm -hmm. but how can i be more proactive can i help so like uh if you're a a strong intellectual um and you want to learn greek they need help with bible translation. Right, because um, that helps missionaries to have a, a translation from yeah. from Greek to these. Uh, I mean, there's just so many things that you could do that you don't have to go necessarily mm-hmm. to help. You know, people to to to, to minimize those numbers and the, the unreached people groups, and of course pray for them. Right. If you don't actively pray for them, I mean. That's the that I I say that's the least you could do, but really it's the most you could do. Like to just bring awareness and to just pray for. Unreasonable yeah, because
0: I think I think the I think the whole issue was the the place that they were doing the survey was in that 10:40 window. Yeah that's, what, yeah, yeah, that's what. So Platt's point was is yeah. that. There's this whole window of, of people, a whole group of people that don't know the gospel at all, don't know Christ Jesus Christ. at all. It's closed to the gospel. Right, it's closed to the gospel, but they know Coca-Cola. You know, they, they and know, what's they ironic know
3: that. is in yeah. that 1040 window is where Christianity originated.
0: Yeah, That's right. Really it's really it, ironic. It is, it really is pretty ironic. ironic.
3: Well, well,
1: it, when you brought up the whole quote about the sugar water, I thought about the other quote that came later when Pepsi was in the wars, and John Scully was the leader of Pepsi when Pepsi... Mm-hmm finally surpassed coke on some of their uh, sales and stuff like that mm-hmm. and we're making inroads with the Pepsi taste test and all that right and so Steve Jobs then is looking for somebody to be his CEO uh-huh. and he goes to Scully and here's what he tells Scully do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life or come with me and change the world mm-hmm. of course Steve Jobs is the creator of Apple right and um, so now when you look at that uh, you, you want to see how more per, pervasive than Apple and the internet and all this now is. Right, yeah. And so to get back to what y'all were saying there, some exciting things are going on right now is computer programs are creating ways of um, uh, interpreting into languages that have never been written or interpreted
0: before. Right, right.
1: And so, so it's really expanding at such a rate now that um, eventually, because they've got, I think there's, I think the gospel is in, I can't remember what the quote is, but the gospel is in so many known languages. Mm-hmm. And they're at the point where there's snippets of the gospel in just about every language out there. And, and with these computer programs and all, they're, eventually they'll have the gospel written or, or in a way that, not really written, but uh, that could be uh, verbalized. Mm-hmm. And, um, in some of these places where you don't even have necessarily have to know the language, but you could hit the button and they can hear that's what pres- you say that, and translate them. Awesome. So, you know Yeah. Who knows? <laughs>
0: technology te-
1: technology So so that to me, I mean, it's, I mean it takes it like on steroids. Right. Um yeah when you, when you think about the internet and what's
0: going on now well as you say technology has done some amazing things and has allowed us to do some amazing things even for the gospel because like you think about um uh, just about everybody around the world now even even in these remote places have cell phones and they have access they're getting yeah. access to cell networks and internet access and then you've got you've got a group like uh you who does the bible app on on those and their whole goal is to get to to get the Bible in all those languages and to make it available and,
1: and I've been I might have been reading about U version was talking about yeah you are how exciting it is right now <clears throat>
0: U version is I can't remember the number it's they, they just surpassed like I want to think I may be wrong about this I'd have to look it up but they're they're getting way up into the hundreds of millions maybe billions they're, they're reaching for a billion yeah. uh, people who have the app on their phone mm-hmm. and and they can, they're can they tracking that and it's amazing and in, the, and
1: in their language yeah,
0: yeah yeah yeah. I'd have to look up the exact number guys I don't have it but, um, uh, yeah, but stuff like yeah stuff like that yeah stuff like that
2: I hope because there's 8 billion people in the world that's not, that's only right like so there's ways
1: that the gospel is expanding we haven't called up to yet and in the same way too that even though expanding there's still how, how are they gonna hear unless someone so so if you think about here in Durham you know we've got all these people from all over the world living here now I think there's 50 something odd different nations that mm-hmm. live here in Durham mm-hmm. uh, in different languages right. that's are spoken right and so it's like the mission field has come here yeah it's and, so-, <laughs> um, so it's just like We're in this global world, which everybody uh, Fights against but at the same time it's opened up the gospel in so many ways to so many people that it's amazing that It's going on right now and we're kind of like Are we going to catch up to it or not? So really it's like the generation we saw on the stage if these kids kids could get it and they really get um, Really understand it and they really see what maybe their future will be in God what they're calling might be, it may be completely different from us. What we're doing here right now.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, um, <clears throat> this is going to wrap it up for us. Actually, we're we're out of time, um, and I try to hit on most of what we heard yesterday. Um, uh, so, Jeff, um, what what are we talking about next week?
1: Well, this this coming Sunday, I'm going to look at uh, the first four verses in Habakkuk. Okay, because he's got this lament. Against uh-huh. violence and uh-huh. with everything that happened while y'all were in camp. I don't know if you uh, you know, there's all the shootings and everything going yeah. on. Oh, yeah, no, no, we know. not. Um, it's just, you know, I was feeling like, you know, this doesn't make sense. So I kind of went to the Bible to try to figure out if there's some speaking about violence and stuff. And so I got drawn to the <coughs> Habakkuk uh, passage where he begins this whole, this is the burden of Habakkuk. And he mm. talks about you know all this violence around me. Yeah. So I'm going to concentrate on that prayer and that complaint that he has against God because, you know, because uh, he asked, you know, how long is this
0: going to go how on? How long? How so, long, Lord? Yeah. That's that's, a, that's I think
1: funny. that was your your prophet, wasn't it? Wasn't it Habakkuk? Uh, it might have been mine.
2: Uh, I didn't. Uh, well, I we know. did the minor prophet. I used to use Habakkuk in my uh, my testimony because there was a there's a part of Habakkuk where he's like asking, hey. Y'all have built up your houses and oh, yeah, built yeah, up yeah. your yeah. your thing. The, uh, uh, but what's going on with my house? why yeah. Right. Yeah, like have you need Oh that's a hag. Yeah.
0: I had I think I had Habac. Okay. So I'm gonna be kinda looking at that. I really yeah. like Habacco. Cool, uh, all right, so uh sounds great. We'll we'll wait for that. Um thanks for listening for uh, to us this week. Uh if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh anything that you want to share with us, uh we'd love to hear them so, uh, shoot us an email at r o s b c pastors us put an s on the end, at gmail.com, and we would be happy to hear from you. All right, thanks for, again, thanks for joining us this week. Have a great week uh, serving the Lord wherever you are. And we'll see you on the next one. So long.